Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 299 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors. First of all, we'd like to thank NOTA, powered by m Bank. NOTA is banking built for lawyers and provides smart, no-cost IOLTA account management. Visit TrustNOTA.com forward slash legal to learn more. That's N-O-T-A, NOTA. Terms and conditions may apply. Next, we'd like to thank Colonial Surety Company Bonds and Insurance for bringing you this podcast. Whatever court bond you need, get a quote and purchase online at ColonialSurety.com forward slash podcast. And of course, we'd like to thank ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted pre-screened process servers, work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit ServeNow.com to learn more. And with so many new podcasts announcing their very first show these days, as we are literally one show away from our 300th episode, we do occasionally like to mention that at 15 years and counting, this is the longest continuously running legal tech podcast out there. If you do have ideas for our 300th episode, please, please, please give us a call. Leave us a voicemail at 720-441-6820. That's 720-441-6820. Please do not leave the idea for the 300th show to Dennis. But Tom, I have a lot of ideas, and I guess maybe that's your concern. Uh, in the last episode, we discussed the current state of to-do apps and how you might evaluate your current app or choose a new one. In this episode, we open the door to client portals, what they are and how to make the best use of them. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be discussing client portals and their role in modern law practice. In our second segment, we're going to take our temperatures on new Google announcements in our quest to give equal time to all the fall tech announcements. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip website or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, client portals and why you should be getting better at using them or maybe get using them in the first place. Um, what surprises me most about this topic is how long it has taken us to discuss portals on the podcast. After all, I think the idea of the portal has been around for a long time now. We mentioned it in the 2018 version of our collaboration tools book three years later, and we're finally talking about it. Uh, Dennis, could that have something to do with the fact that we are soon to be wrapping up the draft of the next edition of our collaboration tools book? Yes, it could. I, mean, I think there's that. And then also the portals really seem to be one of the tools most likely to thrive as a result of the pandemic. We're certainly seeing that uh, anybody who's worked, uh, uh, you know, with a health care provider recently sees how ubiquitous uh, the portals are there. I think think, Tom, that uh, we covered a lot of topics over these years. And, and you're right, we never got around to portals. I sometimes think that, you know, it's it's felt like our friend Jim Calloway has been kind of uh, carrying the banner for portals forward in the in legal profession. So maybe we should give a, 
uh, a nod to him. But uh, I guess, Tom, we've got to the point where I've actually kind of turned the tables on you and uh, tricked you into coming up with the definition of portals. Well, first, real quick, I think you're right. We need to give a hat tip to Jim. Jim talks about this a lot. He talked about it at a tech show this past year. Uh, He wrote an article. We'll put a link to it from Attorney at Work. Um, He did a CLE course on it that if you're interested, you can go and purchase from the Oklahoma State Bar. I think you can. I'm not sure if you can do it if you're not an Oklahoma lawyer. Jim, tell us whether you can or not. Um, So here's the definition. But thank you, Jim, for for what you've done. Um, Here's, I think, a basic definition. I, I, I went broad and I went simple. A portal is a web-based gateway where an organization shares information with customers, with clients, with patients, or whoever they happen to be doing business with. Um, The portal is often in a dashboard format with the capability of providing access to a ton of different information if you want to in one place, files, calendar, messaging, and more. So to me, that's at its at its most basic, that's what a, a portal is. It's a gateway. It's a way for people to communicate with the those that they do business with and put a lot of information at their fingertips easily and quickly. Dennis, do you anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, to me, I, I just go back to the original notion of extranet. Say, well, this is like a, a private, your own private space as a client on a website, or if you're a firm, that it's a private space you offer to your clients where you can go and find everything that's meaningful to you about the representation. Um, so in the old days, that was an extranet. We tend to call them more portals these days. I guess one of the in- super interesting developments to me is that. In a lot of ways, the mobile apps uh, are really either part of the portals or take, can take the place of portals because you can say, oh, you know, my my lawyer has this mobile app and I go on, I can see my, my documents and the status of everything. And, and really that, that app is kind of serving as the user interface for, for portals. So I think with portals, you tend to think I'm going on the web and kind of logging into my, my space in the portal that gives me this information, um, as opposed to saying I'm going on my phone and using, let's call it the law firm's app. I don't know. Does that, does that help our cause, Tom, or, or uh, does that make it a little more confusing? No, I mean, I think that it may blur the line between what a portal is versus what an app is. I mean, it's all access to whoever it is that you're trying to get access to. And uh, frankly, it's a website. We're calling it a portal because that's just that just a, a term that's been given to it. So I, I think that whatever works, um, I think that in these days where more people are on mobile devices than not, um, having it as an app and saying, I have a portal, but I'm calling it an app is just as likely to get people to use it. So, I mean, what I want to talk about is, is my recent experiences with the medical and, and dental world, because it used to be there is no worse place than, than dealing with, with health information and your health care providers. You know, that, that was the world of faxing things and filling out forms over and over again and, and, you know, not figuring, you know, hard to get an appointment, hard to get information. Now... You go to a new doctor, and I went to a new uh, uh, dentist the uh, the other day, and it's like, 
here's the login information for the patient portal. And you go in there and you fill out these forms once online electronically, and you can do it at your leisure to do that. And then your reminders, your schedule, your, the information, you can even communicate with your doctor is all through that one space with, you know, with your login and your password. And it's great. So in the doctor's world, I can go like, hey, I have a question or I need, uh, uh, I wanted to see, somebody asked me about getting a referral for a certain type of doctor, and my doctor will answer that usually the same the same day. And so uh, this kind of world where you saw like, I mean, it's super cumbersome, really backwards, kind of feels like it's state, state of the art. Um, and it's just completely changed my relationship with healthcare providers. And, um, you know, once you get, you know, the setup is cumbersome if you're putting in like many years of health history, but once it's in there, it's it's in there, and I, I think it's become a really great experience, and that is usually my classic example of what, what a client portal or patient portal is. So I would argue that medical portals, um, I would actually, I believe that doctors are probably using portals more often than lawyers are using portals, but I would also say that the way that doctors are using them are the same way that lawyers would use them, which means they're all over the place. You are happy with your dentist portal. My dentist doesn't have a portal. My dentist has, I get an email with a, with a button to click to confirm a, a, an appointment or that can you still make this appointment? There's no portal. I have no portal for my dentist's office. Some portals, my, my regular doctor um, has a portal, but I would have to say it's fairly disappointing. On the other hand, I have been, you know, have a, an aging father. I'm taking more control over his health care. And his doctor's office portal is amazing. I mean, there's messages just like you. I can easily communicate with a doctor and ask questions. He responds often within the same day. Um, I can find there every drug he's ever taken, every condition he's ever told them about or been diagnosed with. I can make appointments. I can see all the lab results. Um, I think it addresses the main requirement of a portal. And that's where we're going to talk probably about the jobs to be done here, which is it's a place that can I can access 24-7. I can visit it anytime without help on my own time, and I don't have to rely on anybody or call somebody and ask for them to call me back. I think that these are the examples by which lawyers should base their portals. So I think you make a great uh, point, Time, that we're sort of in this period of development. So, you know, I am in a much more mature patient portal uh, period with my providers, but somebody else, as you said, you might you might find that you don't have anything at all. And you, you you really are trying to figure out a way to fax something someday. So let's talk about my recent lawyer, uh, what I would call non portal experience in, in with a couple of, of dealings uh, with lawyers. So in one case, even though I had an ongoing uh, string of emails uh, with the lawyer I was communicating with um, on the topic, and I was in fact replying to an important email that they had sent me, they didn't get back to me because the email was caught in the spam filter. Um, so you're subject to the to the whims of spam filter and email and all of that. The other one, which I, I actually find a lot more troubling, um, and is is that I was trying to uh, get in touch with the lawyer uh, who would be a possible referral, and 
actually this has happened several times, but I, I you know, I did the intake thing to say contact a lawyer. And in in this particular case, somebody did call me back from the office and took my message and number and that lawyer never called me back. And I'm like, how is this going to work? So there's no portal, there's no contact, even though you sort of have that human element to it because I called, nobody seems to be paying attention to it. So that's when you compare the lawyer experience to the medical experience now, I go, wow, there is a huge difference. Well, but I also have got to believe that there are other lawyers out there who do who will give you a better experience. So I think we're still in a phase where people aren't aren't using them the right way. But I'd also make the argument that regardless of the technology with your experience, some lawyers just aren't going to get back to you. You know, lawyer without a portal, you call and ask for them to call you back. Some of them are not going to get back to you because they're just bad lawyers or they're just bad communicators. I know that the portal changes uh, the nature of what a lawyer does. So, I, I mean, I would hope that it would. I would hope that as we're saying here that it, that it makes it easier for lawyers to communicate with people. Um, but it's clear that um, it, it's not necessarily that way. Well, I, what I would say is on the part of side, there's this little thing in technology that we like to call automation, where you could could actually program this stuff so so you would respond to things. But I want to add one more thing, because I think that portals uh, have become really interesting um, as the sort of way to contact people where there are a couple of things that we really don't like. So uh, a lot of people, especially the students I deal with and young people, don't use email. A lot of people don't talk on the phone anymore. And so I think portals are actually helping us get to the, what I call like to call the post-email world uh, as we kind of gradually drift toward that. Um, and I think that the portals to me are kind of interesting as is kind of getting me out of that that email overload, the spammy world of email and into this clean place uh, where I have exactly what I what I want. So that's sort of my last meta thought. Uh, I guess, Tom, we've kind of touched on this, but uh, I'm guessing you have a list of, of why people should consider using portals at this point. Well, so let me come back real quick to your meta points because I and I'll, I'm I'm just going to present the con approach to that. Is it? I, and I don't I don't disagree with your points that they're part of post email world and it's kind of a spam avoidance world. But uh, here's the only two things that that bother me about that. One, students and young people don't use email, but I'm not convinced that students and young people are going to like portals any better because how did the messaging take part? How do you know that there's a message from your doctor? You get an email from them. Maybe they can text you and maybe some portals have that capability, but all the portals I use operate in an, on an email function. So I'm not convinced that students and young people are going to like portals any better. And then the only thing about, I think I agree with you, having a, a, a nice clean place where you can go see all of your messages from your doctor or your lawyer are great. Um, but the other aspect of that is that by doing this, we are now setting up how many silos do you now have to go to for your different communication? I mean, I hate to be defend. I'm sure I'm the last person who'd be defending email here, but at least email is one place where you go for all that communication. We're now going in the opposite direction and setting up multiple silos of places. So, you know, I, I think that's an ironic twist on the whole thing. And I'm not saying that we don't use portals because of that, but um, that's an interesting development in my opinion. 
Well, and that's, I, th- I would say that's where the, unfortunately, that's where email has forced us where we actually feel, like in my case, I would feel it's actually better to go to the different silos than to try to deal uh, with what email has kind of turned in these days. But let's go back to portals. Why, why, why would we use them? Why? I mean, so to me, there's really just three reasons to use them. I'm just going to make it short and sweet. One is to free yourself up from constantly answering emails and phone calls. If if they're calling you, if they're emailing you, they want information. Um, this is not useful time that you should be spending. Having it available for them to get to it is a useful thing to do. And, and because of that, you want the other reason to use them is to give your clients convenient access to the things that they already have a right to see, the things that you, as part of the representation, they have a right to see their case files. They have a right to see the calendar. They have a right to see maybe what the, their current bill is. They've got a right to see a lot of things. Um, and finally, I mean, that really what really wraps it up for me is to make it easier for your clients to communicate with you. And if 90% of uh, grievances and ethics complaints revolve around failure to communicate, having a better way to let people communicate with you, it not only makes that a reality, but it also tells your clients, I want to communicate with your better. It, it is a good optic. I'm not saying to use it as an optic, but it is good marketing to be able to say, I am making it easier for you to talk to me. And I think that should be the number one reason. I agree completely on that. I think those those really are the big three. And then it kind of comes to, okay, so if I'm having a portal, um, what should they they contain. And I think that everything else in the world is, is pushing you toward the portal side. But I think you you want to have the things that the patient portals have, you know, and, and think about what, you know, I do want to know, like, how much I, I need to pay. I do want to have access to my documents. I do want to be able to communicate, leave messages. I want to do stuff uh, that seems like it's very administrative and I don't want to be charged for it. One thing that people hate is they don't like to call lawyers to, to ask about status or to get a document because they know the lawyer will talk to them on the phone for uh, you know, half an hour about the weather, and then I'll bill them a point five. And you're going like, I just needed a copy of of what you filed. That's all I wanted. I, you know, it's not a point five. That's a should be a zero. So I think you look at that, and then you start to say, well, those seem to be the main things. And then I can probably learn from from my my clients. Uh, you know, as they'll probably ask for other things. But I would take a look at all the other portals I'm using and say. Here's here's what I really like. And a lot of stuff is in, you know, like the intake stuff is great because then you could say, I don't have to worry about spelling errors and all this other stuff because my client is actually entering their information, you know, and they're not leaving out their kids, you know, one kid or, you know, getting some name wrong or, or something or birthdays wrong or whatever. So you really it's an effective way to kind of outsource back to the client something that clients can actually provide better and that, you know, they're not they don't really want to to have you know to pay you to take that information down uh, as they tell it to you and uh, in the way that they used to. So I think that that's sort of to me there were sort of when we talk about jobs to be done, Tom. I think there's sort of two uh, jobs to look at, and so one is what job is the portal doing for you as a lawyer, and then. Uh, to understand the job to be done from the client side. We've talked, I think, a fair amount about the job to be done 
uh, from the client side of, you know, what what the benefits are and what they're trying to accomplish uh, with it. But how about if we if we take a look at the the lawyer side, what what kind of jobs would would a portal take care of for the lawyer? Well, I sort of talked about that, but I want to, so I want to add in the, the features because I want to get a little bit of my say into the features too, because I think you mentioned most of them, but let me make sure that you, that, that we cover everything because I want in a job to be done. But so let's, I, let me think about it. Let me answer your question in terms of this, because when it's the features are on there, it's features that a client would want, but it's also features that are beneficial to a lawyer as well, because because instead of you having to call them up, uh, you having to take a call on a status where you talk to them and they all they wanted to know is what the filing is, that doesn't necessarily mean that you want to talk to them any more than the client wants to talk to you. So um, that's that's a job to be done right there. But let's also think about calendaring and scheduling appointments. Let's talk about bill pay. My gosh, it would make it so easy if we put the bill pay right into the portal so you could look at my invoice and pay my bill right there. Um, again, that's beneficial to the lawyer. That's a good job to be done. Um, making it able so that not only can they see files, but that they can upload files. So if it's a family lawyer, then they want to upload files that they've got that, that are useful to talk about what the spouse is doing and their income um, and, and, and all sorts of tax returns and things like that. Um, the ability to get documents from the client in that way is much more convenient and efficient than getting them in other ways. Um, reference materials. Is it possible or useful to provide guides on a particular area of law, things that are generic uh, to what they're doing? You know, this is probably more useful when you're representing individual clients and not corporations. Um, but is there some, you know, reference library, as Jim likes to put in some of his materials, um, think of the portal as the lobby to your office. What else, what would you want to put in the lobby? Do you want some nice magazines on the table that tell people about what to expect? Um, the other thing that I thought was kind of interesting and I've seen this batted around is there are a lot of law firms out there that offer web-based tools for their clients. Uh, if, if you're an, uh, an HR department, uh, you can go to your law firm's website and it will give you an information on whether you're breaking a particular employment law or not, or it gives you a, some easy to get advice without contacting your lawyer personally to get that information. Why not make those tools available via a portal? For all I know, they already may be doing it that way. But to me, that would be another value add for the client is to have that all in one place. Um, and I guess I'll just come back. I've been talking a lot here. So I'm going to let you talk about the job to be done from the lawyer side. But I think all of this benefits the lawyer. It, I come right back to um, it saves you time. It gives the client the appreciation that you are looking out for them. You, you, they understand you have other clients, you have other things to do. They have access to this. That peace of mind, I think, is critical. And to me, that's, that says it all for jobs to be done. What else am I missing, Dennis? Yeah, I think you're right. There is this, this sort of thing that you're able to show that you care um, in a number of ways. And you, t you touched on some of those. So I don't really necessarily think of this as the lobby, though I, I, I guess in, a, in one, one sense it is. But uh, I sort of think that if I've hired you, say, to do 
uh, you know, an employment termination. If I can go onto my portal and there are videos of like what to expect or talking about different things or here's how the process will, will go, um, then as a client, I can go in my convenience and look at those things. You're right. If you have some kind of app, uh, people people could use that in there. I think we're used to being advertised to, but I think that if I'm on a portal and it's easy to click, you know, about like here's here's a new another practice area we're highlighting. I'm happy to look at that, or at least I'm not disturbed that it's that it's there. So I think it can do a number of things in a, a very very light touch, you know, uh, kind of opt in way that's that's really useful and kind of shows you care about more than just the old billable hour. So let's go to the practical things, Tom. So uh, I have a note here that says, is this something that you would buy or would you roll your own? I have an opinion on that, but uh, let's hear yours. I would not roll your own. I I mean, I think the easiest thing to do is to look at your practice management tool. If you have a practice management tool that you're using, um, chances are they offer a portal. You may already have a portal. You may already be using one, maybe just not in the way that we've been talking about it. But I would start with that. And I, I think that there are other ways to develop portals, but I think that I personally would prefer to have something that would come out of the box with the ability to add modules to it. Um, it that's what I would kind of like is is something that allowed me to add a module. You know, when we talk about using something like SharePoint. If you have SharePoint, there's nothing that stops you from creating a SharePoint page that people from the outside can access. You can easily add modules to a SharePoint page, but to add modules that get you to a booking system, to a bill pay system, to some other things might be more complicated. Actually, Microsoft makes it really easy to do bookings if you want to do that. But um, but I think that there is more complexity in doing it that way. So I'm I, I'm thinking that most lawyers would want to go with tools that already have them, um, and then and then uh, those who have the skills or more want something more tailor made or bespoke would look at a roll your own option. Yeah, this is uh, I rarely have this strong of opinion, but oh my God, do not create your own. Just go out there and and buy something that's already either is a portal that will you know has portal functionality. But basically, I think you're already going to have it. And if you have a case management tool like Rocket Man or Clio, uh, my case, uh, Practice Panther, all those. Uh, you could have a document management tool that has it built in. Uh, the whole. Uh, Microsoft Suite keeps developing, uh, so you're going to have other things, and, and you might be able to kind of easily mix and match, you know, like your billing system and other things into into sites. There's uh, in the small firm world, people been using a tool called Basecamp for what seems like 20 years now, which uh, is effectively a, a client portal that will do most of the things. The one thing I will say. Tom, is that although it might be tempting to say, I'm going to roll out every possible feature because it seems cool, you do have to kind of maintain that and be responsive. So I would kind of pick the things that are most important and and probably start small would be uh, my best advice. But kind of uh, the old 80-20 thing, just try to pick the, the things that have the biggest bang for the buck. Um, uh, and maybe even survey your clients about what those those might be. 
I don't know what if you have some advice on starting out, Tom. Well, no, I agree, and I want to cover actually mistakes to avoid because I think that's really part of the starting out thing is is that when you're starting, you want to make sure that there are things that you aren't doing. I think starting small is a good idea. Um, see how you like it. Build on that success. But here's the, I think here's the, here are the things that you need to think about when you're starting small. You are using that portal because you don't, but part of the reason why you're using that portal is because you don't want to respond to email and phone communications. You want to have a better way for your clients to communicate with you. Now you have no excuse. You need to respond if people communicate with you. So you can't use this and then use it as an excuse not to talk to people. The other thing is, is that I've seen so many blogs. Hey, I'm going to start a blog and I'm going to start blogging. And then three months later, the blog is dead and they've posted five times. You can't treat this like a blog. You have to keep it up. You have to respond. You have to maintain it. It's like having a baby. You have to raise that baby and you have to keep it fed and nourished and you have to do all the right things with it. Because if you don't, if it's a portal where your clients feel like they're not being served, you're going to lose any goodwill that that portal portal built up for you in the first place. Any final tips and recommendations for you, Dennis, on things to avoid or other tips before we head into our next segment? Yeah, I mean, sort of that automation part of it is that you what you want to do, and this is sort of, you know, like what do you call it, blog rot, portal rot. I mean, basically, you don't want to start this thing, especially with big fanfare, and then not bother to update it. But I also think you you need to look at the automation, because if I am your client and there's going to be something needs to be filed or there's going to be a hearing, it would be my expectation at the end of the day, I could log on a portal and see what was filed or no what the results were. And if you just don't get around to doing that, that's going to be a bad client experience. Um, no two ways about it. But if what you do is you say, hey, as part of the process of, you know, doing the e-filing with the court, it, uh, you know, a copy automatically goes into the portal, then the, the client's going to have like a really great experience. Oh, this document's supposed to be filed today. And look, there it is. It shows it was filed. So I don't have to, I don't have to worry about it and I don't have to call anybody. So I, I think there's that. And then I would just say, that what people need to do is just start to look around with every other service provider you have. And it's almost like every e-commerce site you on that you're on. And that you're going to see things that look a lot like portals and an experience that we're starting to take for granted. And then if you, uh, as we used to say in the old days, go to your own website, call your own receptionist. But, you know, it's kind of like have your you know, kind of take a look at your experience uh, with your own firm as a client and say, wow, does a portal need to be part of what we're doing? Or if we have a portal, is it, are we not doing it well? So those would be my recommendations, Tom. We would love to hear about your portal experience. Remember, we've got a voicemail that you can call at 720-441-6820. I'm going to say that a lot today. But before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsors. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local, pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry, connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. Wish you could get a quote and purchase an appeal, trustee, estate, or any other court or fiduciary bond quickly online? 
Colonial Surety Company has every bond you need and is a direct insurer that's U.S. Treasury listed, licensed in all 50 states and territories, and rated A excellent by AM Best. So you can be confident it's a trusted resource. Get started at colonialsurety.com forward slash podcast. You went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Take advantage of NOTA, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Enjoy peace of mind with one-click reconciliation, automated transaction alerts, and real-time bank data. Visit trustnota.com legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and it's time for our segment we call Hot or Not. We pick something people are talking about and argue whether we think it is a hot topic that you need to pay attention to or not. We might agree, but odds are that we won't. So let's get started. So we've covered on recent episodes the uh, the fall 2021 Apple and Microsoft product announcements. So Tom, as many of you know, is our leading Google fanboy, so he's been insisting on equal time, and there was a Google uh, product event here recently. So Tom, uh, will you just be talking about your next smartphone, or will you also be telling us about why the Google announcements are hot or not? Well, maybe I'll be showing you my new smartphone because I just got it today, Uh, but let me back up. There were... Two interesting things about Google's event when you compare them to the Apple and Microsoft events that we've talked about before. First, they only announced one product, uh, where the other companies announced a ton of stuff. So kind of boring in that respect. They spent a whole hour talking about it, very proud of themselves. And second, there was very little about the announcement that was surprising because literally everything about that product leaked prior to the event. For those of you who weren't paying attention to the leaks, Google announced its new Pixel phone, the Pixel 6, the Pixel 6 Pro, one smaller, one larger. In many ways, this was just really another phone announcement. So in that regard, in that sense, I would say not hot. It wasn't hot to me because it's just another phone that people are doing. But if you're in the market for a new phone, and particularly if you're an Android user, here's what's interesting about the new Pixel phones. One, they're using a new custom-built processor called Tensor, which is great for artificial intelligence, which is what makes Google Assistant the best assistant out there. It's going to help power the camera, more on that later, and it's going to make the phone faster, better battery life, all that sort of stuff. It's really Google's version of Apple's M1 chips, sort of, kind of. The big camera bar back across the back, it's big, but when you put a case on it, you really don't notice it. It offers a massive 50 megapixel camera, an ultra-wide lens, a telephoto lens. Probably the most interesting camera feature, I think, is something called Real Tone, which was designed to make Pixel the most, they would call it, the world's most inclusive camera. Historically, camera technology was designed around white skin tones, which resulted in less flattering images for people of color. And Google has worked really hard with face detection, auto white balance, auto exposure, a bunch of other settings to more accurately highlight the nuances of diverse skin tones, as they put it. It's really interesting to me. They have really focused more on the camera, uh, where Apple focused more on video. Um, Google focused more on the camera. They've got a new tool called Magic Eraser, which will simply erase anything you like in a photo. You can get rid of photo bombers instantly. I tried it on just a photo I did in my office. It was literally amazing. I could erase 
something from the picture with no problem. Um, there's a motion mode that makes that train behind you look like it's speeding by. Um, some interesting tools. They're using their computing technology to make photos better. But frankly, for me, what um, makes Pixel phones amazing is that Google wants to take away a lot of the work of using a phone. The, the way that they frame it is Pixel shows you what you need when you need it. The day of your flight, your phone, the lock screen is going to display your boarding pass without you even asking. Um, or as you start to run, it's going to display the controls for the music service that you use so you can listen to music. Um, earlier, Google, and I probably mentioned this on the podcast, they, they offered call screening where you can screen and listen to a transcript of the people who are calling before you answer it. Now, they'll actually hold for you when you call businesses. When you call somebody, they'll offer to hold for you and then ping you when the when somebody answers now they actually listen to the phone options and they display them on your screen you don't even have to listen to them anymore you can just press one on your screen to be taken to a customer service representative for example what's different is is that this is the first time google has really tried to make a flagship phone and and i think they've done a really good job the early reviews are pretty positive and frankly what's interesting about it is most flagship phones are thousand dollars and up they're expensive phones and and this phone starts at eight not the big the biggest phone they have starts at 899 so i think it's actually pretty inexpensive compared to apple and samsung if you're in the apple world you're unlikely to be persuaded by any of this i get that but if you have if you've owned an android phone right now or in the past this is easily the best android phone ever made in my opinion so in that respect the new phones are hot dennis i went on for a while there do you have anything to add yeah, just a, a couple of small things. Uh, so f for gratuitous purposes, does that eraser tool, would that like erase a few pounds off of, of me for my pictures? I'm not sure it shaves off of a person. <laughs> I think it removes objects. If you If those pounds were an object that could be erased, maybe. And I like that sort of, uh, to the extent that anybody... Uh, uses a phone anymore, which is going to be one of my next comments. I like the idea that it will like do the hold thing for you. So that if you're calling your lawyer who doesn't have a portal, then this could be like a really useful well, tool while you're waiting on them to to have someone answer your phone. So I just had a, a, a couple things. So one is uh, something that we said before is like we get all these uh, – new phones uh, announced and nobody talks anything about the phone aspect of it, you know, and because I don't know that anybody cares about the, the phone part of it any anymore. So the developments that uh, I'm interested in are that they've gone to a custom processor like Apple has and, and optimizing it. So I, I think that bodes well for, for both, um, you know, both platforms. I also like that Android, the Android phones are conceived of part of an overall mobile platform. Um, and you're going to see, especially with the custom processors, machine language, all these other things that are going to work together. And then I did notice, um, as you said, that Apple has really, really felt to me like they've moved more toward the video uh, side of, uh, I'll call photography, and that uh, the Pixel seems to be really focused on the, the camera piece. So to the extent there's that much of a difference. Um, so I, I have to rely on, on, on you on this, Tom. I suspect it's sort of hot, but um, in my running gag about the Android phones, it's probably not as hot as my Samsung 4 was, which used to 
to burn me through my <laughs> pants pocket. So now it's time for our parting chats at one tip, website, or observation. You can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. Keeping with the theme of our B segment, I have two parting shots for you around Android 12, a new version of Android. Even if you don't get the Pixel, um, I and you have a phone that's old enough to take or new enough to take Android 12, I would recommend that you download it. It's ready to be downloaded. I think you can. Everybody can. Um, there's a I, I put a link in the show notes to a dozen things to love in Android 12 from the Google blog, and then another one, 15 things you can do in Android 12 that you couldn't do before. They've started with a new they've they've updated their operating system to what they call Material U. It's totally reimagined the shape of all the icons, lots of different animations. It's really the user experience that's changed a lot in this. One of the things that I particularly like is is that you can set it so that all of the icons that you have on your phone will adjust to the colors in your wallpaper. And I, because I have a different wallpaper every day, I use the Bing picture of the day as my wallpaper. The icons on my on my phone's lock screen change color every day, which it, to me is cool. I get a whole new desktop every, or phone top every day, which is really interesting. That's just one of the things on the, on the list here. If you are an Android user, um, I recommend you go take a look at what you can do with Android 12. Dennis. So in response to the last episode where we were talking about to-do apps, I had a couple people say to me that although they were interested in to-do apps, that they really had a hard time giving up their paper notebooks and, and their writing implements and everything that they developed over time. This is especially true of people who've taken the, the bullet journal approach. And so I want to recommend something that's uh, from a company called JetPens. So it's JetPens.com. They have an email newsletter. It's this great stationary uh, uh, store uh, with a website that, that has a lot of Japanese stationery and just super cool, you know, uh, pens, pencils, notebooks, planners, all those sorts of things. And, uh, and we talked about this a bit in the podcast, but I think sometimes on uh, to-do list, planning, uh, note-taking and stuff, it really is not an either-or with, with tech and paper. It's a both-and. And if you if you really like interesting, uh, effective, uh, and just plain cool stationary items, jet pens is my go-to place these days. And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for the show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site, where you can find archives of all of our previous episodes along with transcripts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, reach out to us on LinkedIn or Twitter. Or remember, guess what? We've got a voicemail. That number is 720-441-6820. Remember, our next episode is our 300th. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time for the 300th episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Tell your friends. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.